Today I want to talk about someone who never, ever appears in nativity scenes, but who perhaps best personifies the whole point of Advent, John the Baptist. Now, I know that this strange man who preaches repentance on the banks of a river, dressed in a camel hair suit and munching on honey-dipped locusts, just doesn't fit our image of Christmas. And yet, he shows up every year, right in the middle of Advent, and tells us to get ready because someone, with a capital S, is coming. So, who is this guy, anyway? If we were reading about John and the Gospel of Luke, I could give you a whole backstory, a story about the mouth-shutting encounter that his dad, Zachariah, had with an angel in the temple, and about how his mom, Elizabeth, was astonished to find herself pregnant in her golden years. I could tell you about Elizabeth's joyful greeting of her relative, the newly pregnant Mary, and read the prophecy that Zechariah pronounced after John was born, the opening of which we recited in our call to worship. We're not reading from Luke's gospel today. We're reading from the gospel of Mark. And I'd like us to imagine just for a moment that this is the only gospel that we have. If that was indeed the case, there would be no nativity stories, no Mary and Joseph, no manger or stable, no shepherds or angels or wise men. For unlike Matthew and Luke, This gospel tells us absolutely nothing about Jesus' birth. Instead, it begins with John. As Mark opens, we are immediately told something very important, that that what this gospel has to say is good news. Good news, joyful tidings. Imagine reading these provocative words for the very first time the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Wouldn't you want to know more? The titles that Mark attaches to the name of Jesus have huge ramifications. The word Christ, Messiah in Hebrew, was the title once given to Israel's kings. But after Jerusalem's fall to Babylon, the Babylonian Empire in the 6th century, it came to symbolize Israel's greatest hope the hope for a new king who would vanquish Israel's enemies and restore Israel to its former glory, and then some. Mark is declaring that Jesus is this long-awaited Messiah. And by using the Son of God, Mark only, not only indicates that Jesus is of divine descent, but also challenges a similar claim printed on many Roman coins next to portraits of the emperors. In other words... The opening sentence of Mark raises some pretty high expectations, and it undoubtedly captured the attentions of those who first read this gospel, a congregation struggling to hold onto its faith as it faced persecution and grieved the destruction of Jerusalem by a Roman army in 70 AD. Mark's congregation desperately needed some good news, and heaven knows so do we for we to experience conflict and loss in our world today. Strangely enough, Mark doesn't go on to talk about Jesus at this point. Instead, he turns our attention to John, whom he immediately links with the prophets of ancient Israel. He evokes the words of the prophet Malachi, who foretold that Elijah 
one of Israel's most revered prophets, would appear to clear the way of the Messiah, then adds phrases from the passage that we just read during the lighting of the Advent wreath, the passage that begins, Comfort, O comfort, my people Israel, says your God. In this passage, the prophet, whom we call Second Isaiah, speaks good tidings of comfort and hope to those living in captivity in Babylon, tidings that promise their release and hope to those and proclaim the coming of God in glory and called on them to prepare their way. With these words and images, Mark introduces us to John, who appears in the wilderness like one of those prophets of old, wearing clothes that match the description of Elijah found in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, a hairy man with a leather belt around his waist. Given all this buildup, one might expect John to do something radical, to head for the city of Jerusalem and stalk through it carrying a sign saying, the Messiah is coming, or to gather recruits for a messianic army. But John doesn't do that. Instead of going to the seat of power in the city, he stays in the wilderness and waits for people to come to him. Instead of calling for a revolution against Rome, he pe preaches repentance to those who flock to hear him, offering them a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Instead of announcing that he is indeed the prophet Elijah reborn and claiming all the glory, John points beyond himself to the coming of one who is more powerful than I and humbly declares that he is not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. Instead of insisting that his river baptism is sufficient, he promises another baptism, that of the Holy Spirit. Instead of deciding that he is the culmination of the story, as many undoubtedly believed in those days, John looks to the future with anticipation, ready for whatever God has in store. What a peculiar herald. And yet, John's voice of anticipation is one that we may truly need to hear as we prepare for this Christmas. I don't know about you, but when I look at my calendar for the next two weeks, I feel um, a sense of panic. <laughs> there is so much to get done. <laughs> Christmas tree to buy and decorate, presents to buy and wrap and mail, rehearsals and concerts to sing, worship services to plan. Just thinking about it makes me want to crawl into bed, pull the covers over my head, and stay there until December 26th. Anybody else feel that way? Yeah, yeah. So as I think about this and as I think about John, I'm wondering if maybe I need to follow his lead and take a walk out into the figurative wilderness and spend some time reordering my priorities. Maybe I need to straighten out my expectations for this season and spend a little more time preparing my house in my heart. My heart. See there, that slip up. My heart instead of my house. Maybe I need to focus less on all the things I have to do, or I think I have to do, and more on who I am called to be. In other words, maybe I need to stop anticipating the coming of Christmas and start anticipating the coming of Christ. And maybe I'm not the only one here who needs to do that. 
both Isaiah and John anticipated the coming of one who would change everything. Isaiah portrayed him as a divine warrior who tenderly carried lambs in his arms and who brought hope to those in exile. John saw him as a figure of power who would baptize the people with the Holy Spirit, the very presence of the divine. And here's the thing. All of the things that they anticipated came to pass. The exiles to whom Isaiah was speaking were released. They went home. The disciples were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus showed up at the River Jordan asking John to baptize him. And yes, everything did change. But as Mark points out, that was just the beginning. The good news for us is that Christ continues to come. He comes into our lives when we prepare our hearts to receive him and strive to align our words and actions with his. He comes into the world through us when we use our God-given power and our Christ-inspired compassion to give help and hope to others. The good news is that Jesus Christ has come and he's not done yet. Needless to say, in the midst of life, especially life in this month, it's hard to remember this. And so I have a suggestion for me as well as you. Every day between now and December 24th, in other words, for the next two weeks, I encourage you to think of an answer to the following question. What does the coming of Christ mean to me? What does the coming of Christ mean to me? Your answer might be a word or a phrase, or it might take the form of an image. But I don't want you to just think of an answer to the question each day. I want you to record it, to write it down, or draw a picture, or take a photo, to record your answers in some way so that you can refer back to them later on when all you anticipate is trouble and the truth of Christmas seems far away. John calls us to anticipate the coming of Christ and to prepare. I thank God for his Advent heads up. Let us pray. Oh God, as we anticipate the coming of Christmas, Help us to prepare. Smooth the rough places in our minds and hearts. Align our actions and words with those of Christ. And give us hope so that we might, in turn, share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen.